You're about to enter the world of On the Cusp. The intense language used here requires that you put your brain in pause, place your watch next to the microwave, and experience a different level of mind diffusion. Now sit down, grab your coffee, buckle up, and enjoy what is about to happen and coming your way. What you are listening to is On the Cusp. Hola, buenos dias. We're happy to be back, or or better said, I'm happy to be back today. As this time, we got Nancy, we got Mo, both of them are out traveling. I get to do it all by myself. So you're kind of getting the, the Mexican version of on the cusp. Not necessarily on the cusp this time. But anyway, let's go ahead and get going. By the way, it's uh, it's going to be a little bit tough because we got we got IDS coming up in two weeks, right? And um, I'm not going to be gone until next week, but I got travels going on, personal travel going on next week. Mo and Nancy, they're both traveling to Germany actually a week earlier for additional training with a company, with a Mangierbach. Safe travels to you guys. Hopefully you get to learn a lot. Anyway, let me get a little bit of my coffee here because it's um, it's actually four in the morning, and this is when I get the time to to do a little bit of what I want to do. The other thing is that hold on, I gotta get my coffee. Oh my gosh! So I just drink my my first cup of coffee right now, and it feels really good to have a first cup of coffee. Anyway, um, why don't we start there? Um, I was just looking at um, the visual, not not today, right? Yesterday, not like oh, I got up at three and do this. No, I was looking yesterday at I think it's called the Visual Capitalist, and the Visual Capitalist they map out certain things about daily life, and uh, one of those things is how much does a cup of coffee mainly Starbucks costs around the world. So if we look at, for example, I mean, being in the US, a cup of coffee is going to cost me between, depending where I go, whether I go to the airport or I go to the local Starbucks shop, it's gonna be between 270 and 350, 340. That's what a cup of coffee costs here. The average for the US, is 326 that's a lot right to be drinking coffee every day but in any case what does it cost in other countries when i went down to mexico about two three weeks ago i paid about i paid about a good four dollars for a cup of coffee so that's expensive but that was at the airport there's no other way to to get it or waiting for people for two hours to get to the country and you gotta have a cup of coffee. In any case, let me go ahead and take another sip of my good coffee 
as long as it's hot. Oh. Moving down south, actually, let's go north first. Canada, the coffee is more expensive. It's three eighty-five versus three twenty-six here in the U.S. But if I go down to Guatemala, you're looking at the same price. It's three twenty-three, very close to the U.S. And if I go across country to El Salvador, it's going to be four twenty-five. Why would anybody go to Starbucks? What the heck? That's too expensive. In Costa Rica, it's four twenty-two, and they make their coffee there. That is extremely expensive. And then you go to Panama, it's four seventy. So the further you go south, the more expensive it gets. And they make their own coffee. Maybe they don't sell that much because who's gonna buy it? But as soon as you go into South America, you get out of Central America. The coffee is going to cost you $250, $249. Bolivia is more expensive. I guess the poorer the country, the more expensive the coffee is. Bolivia is $319. Chile, which they're not that bad off, is $495. That is expensive. To my taste, I mean, I mean, we're going from $326 to $495. In Brazil is $196. They must have done something right. So that's really good down there. If we go over to Europe, in Switzerland, a cup of coffee is $7.17. That's kind of ridiculous, right? If we go to Germany, which we're going to be there in two, ye- in two years, in two days, a cup of coffee is going to cost you $4.49. So that, is, that gets expensive. Hang on one second. Netherlands is 444. If we look at Denmark, it's 655. The colder the country, the colder the price. Something like that. Poland is 356. Uh, there's no information on Ukraine right now, so I don't know how much it costs over there. But I can tell you that in Bulgaria is 269. And if you swing over to Russia, we keep going east. It's going to be two ninety one, so it is. It is less expensive than the U.S. I thought that they were being hurt by this economic situation that we were putting on them. Ah, the coffee's gotten cheaper. Interesting. Azerbaijan, my favorite country, is uh, three forty one. And then if we continue down south to the Middle East, you're looking at Kuwait at four thirty. Bahrain 424 and then there's very few countries in in Africa that were looked at so you got Morocco 281 and then you got Egypt at 223 and South Africa 264 the most expensive one in Africa by the way the the cheapest coffee in the world for a Starbucks cup is in Turkey at 131 what are they doing to get it so cheap now moving over to China, four twenty three, Japan three fifty seven, Taiwan four eighty six, and then Australia. It's almost four dollars at three ninety seven. It's interesting how different the prices are in each country. If you go to Hong Kong, it's five fifty two. So if you stay in China, it's four twenty three, but if you jump over to Hong Kong, it's five fifty two. 
a lot of it depends, I guess, on the how the country is designed to be supporting these prices. Anyway, that's it. That is um that is a map of, of coffee through Starbucks. So this is basically the the price of a tall latte. I have no idea what a tall latte is. I guess it's a medium or a grande. I don't know. Uh, they need to change those names. So anyway, that's basically what the um, what the prices are. Now, in review, let's clear one thing first. Right, uh, we're talking about a tall latte, which is basically twelve ounces. I have no idea what a tall latte is because I'm thinking more of terms uh, in terms of small, medium, and large. So a tall, I guess, because it's twelve ounces, it's going to be a small coffee. They should just call it a small coffee. Period. The cheapest, the cheapest coffee in the in the world is Turkey, right? The most expensive one is basically uh, Switzerland. The least affordable, because of the purchasing power by each country, is Cambodia. The most affordable, number one, is the United States, then Norway, based on the purchasing power, and so. Yeah, it's tough, right? I, I guess according to the rest of the world, we're not that expensive here in the U.S. Anyway, let me go ahead and... Yes, you guessed it. Oh, Drink a cup of coffee or a little bit more coffee. And let's go ahead and jump to our next topic. Please check out the show notes or comments and you will have the uh, the link to the map. We're jumping over now to dental news or dental misinformation. It's actually not misinformation because I'm reading it off the internet. So there's no possible way that it could be misinformation, right? This comes to us from Becker's Dental and DSO Review. Information or news about Sirona. Four things to know about Sirona. Display Sirona. The National Dental Association expanded their partnership to promote diversity and inclusion in dental education. That is interesting because in the middle of the challenges that that Serona has, uh, they want to go ahead and uh, promote diversity and inclusion. Basically, what does that what does that mean for us? It basically means that Sorona wants to continue to support minority communities. They want to uh, give access to STEM programs to kids. They want to help students with student loans, college visits. So I think it's a it's a noble thing that, it, that they're doing. However, they got some serious issues as we continue. So that was the first part of news that Sorona wants to do or about Sorona. Second part is that Sorona has also announced $165 million in restructuring plan to improve their performance, their operational performance, which includes reducing its global workforce. Some people are going to get fired here. That's basically what it means. It's also going to implement five global business units. They are going to create a senior vice president of quality and regulatory role. I think that comes from another piece of information that we're going to get in a minute. And they want to simplify their management structure. 
Now, regarding their operational structure, right, they had also promoted or reported a a drop in sales in 2022. So they're coming in a little bit weaker because they had a 7.3 drop in sales and they saw a 10.9% decline in fourth quarter sales, which that seems to be a lot. I wonder if that has anything to do with them shedding the laboratory division. That's uh, That's got to be tough for them. And maybe that was expected. Not sure about their stocks where they're at today. So basically, Sorona brought in $3.9 billion in net sales in 2022. That was the 7.3% decrease compared to 2021, where they brought in $4.2 billion. So yeah, that's a nice jump there. The fourth quarter sales amounted to $983 million. That was a 10.9% decrease from the fourth quarter in 2021. A Dense Sorona CEO, Simon Campion, good friend of mine, called 2022 a challenging year, you think? But said results exceeded expectations. So that means that they were expecting a weaker year and a weaker fourth quarter as this was an important milestone as Sorona works to improve its performance. Interesting. The company also expects to bring in $3.85 billion and $3.95 billion in full year 2023 net sales. So they're thinking about going even further down for 2023. So there's going to be a little bit of a drop in, in, in revenue again for Sorona. In the middle of all of this, Serona is being investigated and not Serona, their management or their executives are being investigated for potentially breach of fiduciary duties. So Serona's executives are being investigated by Con, Swick, and Fodi. This was uh, a news release that happened on February 24th. So I guess that was last week. So there's also another thing, another investigation separate from this last one by the Bursting Leaphart Law Film Firm, not film, firm, also launched an investigation into the dental supplier for possible federal securities law violations in May 2022. So it took a while to catch them or to begin the investigation. They are being investigated they had also terminated last year their CEO. It was replaced. And that was around April, April 19. In May, they released pre- pre- preliminary financial results for the first quarter. That's when they, they saw that the, um, the sales were being coming down. So there's a lot of things happening at Sorona. Very, very interesting. Don't you think? Enough of dental news for now. That was a good focus on what is happening out there with Serona. Uh, we wish their employees the best. And hopefully, you know, not a lot of people are affected by these issues that are happening there. Especially since they're planning or they've mentioned that they are going to reduce their workforce. 
Good luck to you guys out there. Man, happy thoughts, happy thoughts. Let's change the subject here and let's talk about Chinese food. I think the only Chinese food that I know is whenever we eat Chinese food, I always eat sweet and sour pork. I don't know anything else but that. I know what it's going to taste like. I know what I'm expecting. It's kind of like eating a burger at McDonald's, right? You know it's going to be a crappy burger, but the taste is going to be the same no matter where you're getting it. I'm going to get it in Mexico or I'm going to get it in the U.S. or I'm going to get it in Europe. The only thing that changes is the fries in Holland. Those fries are so good in Holland. In any case, we're not here to talk about I'm getting away from my topic, right? I, I, I want to talk about Chinese food. And basically, Chinese food didn't get, it didn't get, it didn't become popular until after World War II. However, the, the Chinese food came with immigrants. When immigrants were getting to the U.S., there was an influx of Chinese people in the 1800s. They settled in California, and it was because of the rush, the gold rush. So that's when the establishment of, of Chinatowns in the States started, and later also in the rest of the country. The, 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 the Chinese restaurants that opened this time, they were more, they had traditional Chinese cuisine instead of the Americanized, you know, food that we eat today. However, what I want to talk about is, is the box, right? What they call the paper pearl or the paper oyster pail. I'm sorry, the oyster pail. I was watching a movie the other day and I saw one of the characters. I don't even remember what the movie was, but the character was, was eating out of a Chinese box. And then I wonder, I wonder how that, that got started. Let me drink some coffee. Just one second. By the way, the, the coffee that we drink here at home, it's uh, 8 o'clock coffee. It's not very strong. It's a coffee that has a really good taste. It's a sturdy taste. And it doesn't have a lot of... It's a very basic and very stable taste that, that it has. We've tried other, other types of coffee, and it's just not the same. I tried the Starbucks, buy it, already ground it, right? And it's, it's too strong for me. So this is probably the best coffee that I've ever had. And I went away from 8 o'clock, and then I came back to 8 o'clock, and then we went away, and it was like, no, we got to go back to it. We get it at Publix here in Florida. Anyway, that was an unpaid advertisement for 8 o'clock coffee. Now... Going back to the uh, oyster pail, the oyster pail, now the, the, the box, right, where the Chinese food is put, where they put the rice, where they put the whatever, everything, all, all that, was invented by Frederick Weeks, and it was invented in November 13, 1894. That's what they call a paper pail. It was made from a single piece of paper that was folded into virtually a leak-proof container. Isn't that interesting? That's basically, that is basically the whole story. All these containers have not changed. I mean, I mean, the quality of the paper has changed. Chinese became more, more and more popular in cities and suburbs in the 1950s. 
and it began to be sold in 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 these uh, containers that we now have. The quality of it has been changing. It's it's a very sturdy food container. So imagine it hasn't changed its form in in the last seventy years. It doesn't leak. It's like a, the perfect box, right? So anyway, that is what I wanted to share with you about Chinese food. I thought it was very interesting. I hope you do too. Happy thoughts, happy thoughts, happy thoughts. We got to stay happy, right? In, all, in the middle of all of this is, that is going on. The, uh, the next um, article that I'm, I want to share with you from Monday, February 27, Zero Hedge. And the title of this article is Unmasking Prejudice? Professor Denounces Maskless People as Racist, Ableist, and Classist. So if you're not wearing a mask right now, you're either a racist, you're an ableist, or you're a classist, according to this professor. So how dare you not wear a mask today? So we start. George Washington University. This week became one of the last major universities to drop its mask mandate. Imagine it took him that long to drop the mandate. Holy cow. One of the professors that is there is a professor at the University of British Columbia also who has participated in roundtable discussions with none other than Justin Trudeau. This doctor, this professor is Dr. Amy Tan. And of course, I'm going to link the, uh, the article to the podcast. And she is a clinical associate professor in palliative care and family practice at UBC's faculty, faculty of medicine and adjunct professor at the University of Calgary. Her comments raise longstanding concern that masks have become a vehicle for social and political rather than medical agendas. Hence, you're a racist if you're not wearing a mask. According to media reports, Tan responded to a, to a user who defending who defended labeling of non-maskers as racist. The user denounced dropping the mandates and added. The user demanded denounced dropping the mandates. Once again and always, white people do not get to say what it is or isn't racist. Stop speaking for another. Stop speaking for and over BIPOC. Whatever BIPOC is, I'm not going to read it because my head is beginning to explode. Learn your place, sit down, shut up, and listen to us. You white saviorism is killing us. Whiteness is a problem. Ooh. Tan, Dr. Tan, the professor, she agreed, she appeared to agree and added that not masking is racist, ableist, and classist. Notably, some experts believe that the mandatory mandates are alarmist. I don't know how you become a racist or an ableist, but uh, uh, some people want to wear masks for the rest of their lives. And so I, I just don't understand that. Why do you want to wear a mask for the rest of your life? By the way, I got COVID back at the beginning of the year. It felt like a flu. It wasn't, it was bad for one night. I got vertigo. I never had vertigo in my life before. I don't even know if I've said it before. Except for that one night, it was, it was tough for me. 
or it was tough for me for that one. I, the rest of the time that I had COVID, it wasn't so bad. I, and maybe I got lucky, right? But anyway, I, I am not wearing a mask if we don't have to. I am not wearing a mask in the car if I'm by myself. And also if I'm with other people, I don't see the need anymore. There are people out there. You see people with their windows closed in their car, driving alone, wearing a mask. That part, I just don't get it. And maybe I'm being a racist for saying that. In any case, I hope you have a great day. Have a great week. And I'm hoping that your life is going to get better and better. And let's be happy out there, huh? Let's make somebody else happy, actually. Have a great day. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.